Let's, uh, let's dive right in this morning into the Word and into what God wanted to deliver. All right. Um, I prayed about you. Pastor's been doing a little family series and, and things like that. As I was praying, though, there was something that kept coming into my mind, uh, something that kept um, driving at my heart, I guess you would say, uh, to talk about isn't necessarily family as in the, the local family as, as far as the mother and father and the wife and that kind of thing. But it's more the family of the church that I want to talk about this morning. Um, and I want to talk about being uh, better together. Better together. And for the next uh, two weeks, we're going to talk about this as, as what God wants for us to be better together. See, the truth is, is that God never intended to call us to go at it alone. Right? It was never God's intention to call us to go at it alone. He called us to be a part and to live in what is a community. Okay? What is a, a social or a, a togetherness, a unity of believers. See, if we go back into the Jewish times and when Jesus was a rabbi and and things like that, rabbis called disciples as individuals into a community. Okay, that's why Jesus didn't call one dude. He called 12 of them, right? He he calls, a rabbi calls disciples as individuals into communities, okay? And that's what uh, being a disciple is all about, is going at it together. Because Why? Because you're better together. In fact, when Jesus says the word come and follow me, the Hebrew of the word come there for a rabbi is a plural subject. Okay? It isn't, we can think of the word come and follow me as, as, as this understand subject of you or you follow me okay but as a hebrew when they say the word come and follow me the word come is a plural word a plural subject meaning come and join us okay all of all of you come and join us this is plural word okay when you think about in this in this word and community is so important when it comes to being a disciple, when it comes to being a Christian, even in our day. If you think about the, uh, the um, parable of the sower and the seed, you have the, the sower who throws the seeds on all kinds of different grounds. You got the road, you got the rocky ground, you got the thorny ground, and you got the good soil, right? And remember, in that, if you know in that parable, the seed is the word. And so the word is being thrown. The word is being given. So the, it's never a question if you're whether getting the word. The question is, is where is it going and how you're reacting to it, how you're receiving it, and where, what your heart is in the moment when you are allowing the word to take root. And it's not just a one-time throw. It could be that one time where you're in the Walmart line. How are you receiving the word at that moment? Are you letting thorns grow? Okay? If you're on the road, and this is me, if you're on the road and people cut in front of you, 
Where is the word in that moment? Okay? In that moment, it's on the road. Because... And so, where the seed is thrown is how you're reacting to it. But the, the important thing in that uh, parable also is the good soil. Now, if you know anything about gardening, which I really don't, anything about gardening and farming and stuff, it takes a lot to make good soil. It's, they just don't use dirt. Okay? They put things in it. They do certain things. They use certain kinds of dirt. They use certain kinds of stuff to put it into the soil to make it good soil. It's not just dirt. I believe as Christians, for good soil, there's certain things that need to be in place in order for you to have good soil. And once you have these things, that's when the word will take root and allow you to bear what God wants you to bear and become what God wants you to become. There's certain things that need to take place for it to be good soil. First, you need to love God. Intimacy with God. It means that you desire him above anything else. That's the reason why that's good soil and not the thorny soil. Because if you're in the thorny soil, then you're desiring other things above God. And you allow those roots to choke in. So the good soil means you love God. Intimacy with God. Two, good soil means you need to love people. Which are two of Jesus' greatest commandments. Love God, love people. Serving people takes you and molds your heart into good soil. And number three is doing it together. Community. Love God. Love people. And do it together. Community is important. And this morning as we talk about being better together, one of the things that popped in my mind, I don't know if you've ever seen Gladiator. Have you seen the movie Gladiator with uh, Russell Crowe? Okay. It's been a while for me, but I remember the, the ending fight. I remember the ending fight. I rewatched it the other day just to kind of make sure uh, I was remembering it right. But I, I rewatched it the other day, and basically they were set up to die. Okay. They were set up to die in the arena, right, to fight. And here they are ready to go, and they were told before they even go out to fight, you are going to die. This is y'all's death. Right? But Russell Crowe stands up. Now, he used to be a general in the Roman army and things like that, but he stands up, and he gives a little pep talk, and he tells them, together, we can do this. If we stick together, if we come together and become one, then we will be able to stand and we'll be able to have a chance. And so they go out to fight and they, and they did. They circled together. They had a couple formations. They circled up for a formation and as the chariots came by with their blades and stuff, they would, they would, he would yell out to them, stay together, stay together as one. And they would pause up and freeze and, and, and uh you know, get their stands, and as the blades came by, they would break because they were strong together. Then the chariots decide to run right into them, and then they decide he had another formation with some kind of diamond thing where they laid down and they took the uh, shields up and they angled them in a certain way as they laid in this diamond shape. And as the chariots came by, the wheels would roll up off the shield and flip over. 
Then as they get up, they, they did a very common Roman uh, uh, thing, which was uh, the Roman tortoise. Okay, it's, a, it's a very common uh, thing. Where basically, the, the purpose of the Roman tortoise is you would hold your shield up, and your shield would protect their back, and their shield would protect your back, and nothing could penetrate All the while, screaming, as one, as one. And because of this, gave them the chance for victory. We talk a lot about from uh, uh, the word about God being our shepherd. And this means a whole lot to a lot of different things. There's so much in the idea of God being our shepherd. And the fact of being sheep. Because here's the thing. Sheep cannot stand to be alone. If a sheep is alone, they will surely die. Why? Because if an enemy comes, they freeze. They don't do anything. They're dumb. If they're walking around, they look down a lot. They don't look forward. If a cliff comes, they will fall off the cliff. Sheep are just that dumb to where the only way they can survive is to be together and to be led by the shepherd. It is important for the shepherd to have their sheep together. That's the reason why it's so important, as Jesus tells them, that he leaves the 99 to get the one. Because that's how much it is important that A, that you are in his house, and B, that you get there together. We need to be as one. Ephesians 4, 2 through 6, Paul writes. This is out of the Hebrew New Testament. Just to have a little bit of fun if you wanted to look up there. Always be humble, gentle, and patient, bearing with one another in love, and making every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit gives through the binding power of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as when you were called, you were called to one hope. And there is one Lord, one trust, one immersion, and one God, the Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is in all. Paul is telling us that there is, um, that we need to act when we come together. There is a way that we need to act when we come together. In previous chapters in Ephesians, he's bringing people together. And now he says, this is how we need to act. With humility, gentleness, patience. Bearing with one another. A lot of unity needs to come together and it needs to be protected. It's going to take some effort and work See, there's a Greek thought that's going on at this time that says uh, to tell people that you can gain spiritual maturity or, or personal enlightenment by going off and being alone. But Paul is bringing them back to this basic that God has ordained community, togetherness. 
See, it is impossible to fulfill your biblical mandate with the attitude to go at it alone. Now, I'm not talking about alone time because I need that too. It's nice to have some alone time, and sometimes I don't get it until maybe one in the morning when the kids are finally done getting up three or four times, going to sleep. But we need alone time, but that's not what we hear, especially when we need to get alone with God. Sometimes we need to build ourselves in our relationship with God as we get into our secret place. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about discipling and being a part of God's community. Here Paul uses a preposition in the Hebrew thought that even Jesus uses in a prayer. See, Jesus prays an awesome prayer in John 17, and he understands the idea of unity. See, the thing is, is Paul knows that Jesus is passionate about community. It makes it clear in his teachings and in his prayer. If you look at John 17, we won't go there. But if we want to know and follow Jesus... His passions, including passions for a community, must become our passion and our passions for community. See, this, trans, this uh, prepositional word of with and in conveys an intimacy and involvement. See, Jesus, the Father, Jesus and the Father are intimately involved and concerned with each other's existence. Even to the point of being one. See, Jesus uses the word in frequently and does Paul in his letters to go to get across the notion of deep mutual concern and participation. So what am I saying here? What is Paul and Jesus saying in this, in this word, in this thought? Saying we are called to invest in each other's lives in such a way to where I am mutually concerned about you. I'm participating in your life. Now, I know the introverts are going, whoa. But Jesus' prayer is that he would stand together as one in unity. And Paul is trying to get this back to the people by using a word called meekness. Everyone say meekness. There's a pastor in California, Jack Hayford, who says this about meekness. I love this. I wanted to put this in. Attitude of humility toward God and gentleness toward people. Springing from the recognition that God is sovereign creator, meekness is a person's conscious choice. It is strength and courage under control coupled with kindness. See, we are often a society of people who gets offended really easily. She says this, or they said that, and, and I can't believe that they would say that. And how dare they do this, or did you see what he did to his kids? But as disciples of Jesus, we need to step back and replace the offense with meekness. 
And that there has to be a better way than to be walking around getting angry or anger at every little thing someone else does. Otherwise, it will divide us apart. It will separate the unity that Jesus has called us to be. When we can look back at each other and say, that person has a need and it may cost me something, but I can do something about it. That's discipleship. That's the element of meekness that's not about me or what I'm entitled to is a word thrown around now or what's good for me. We need to take ourselves and put it in the back seat. Stop getting hurt or offended. If we're in the circumstance or an issue that, that turns you off, the, the answer is never isolation. It's never to put yourself in a box. It's never to put yourself in this cocoon to where you think nobody can hurt you. That is not the answer. The answer is to grab that shield and to have someone stand behind you and serve as one. Because nothing else with you together can touch you where you stand as one. Again, Jesus' prayer is that we would stand together as one. Why? Because you are standing with the one. See, we all have one faith, one Lord, one word. What does that mean? That the whole point is that we will know the love of the Father by our relationships with one another. And other people on the outside will see that and be drawn to it and come to know the Father themselves. See, in that we'll always gain force, we'll always gain momentum in what God wants us to do and to become. As we become united with the Father and become one. In the movie Gladiator, there was some that strayed off, they died. See, Russell Crowe was saying essentially that if we stay together, we will survive. But let me take a little further. As disciples, if we stay together, we thrive. See, Jesus repeatedly emphasized that our interactions with one another matter in our relationship with him. He said, you can't tell me you love me while hating a brother. Your interactions with that person over there is tied to your interactions with me. Do you want to love me? Love people. Is what Jesus says. Independence, isolation, maybe this... uh, natural thing in our culture, but they are countercultural to Christianity. Christianity simply doesn't work in isolation. Christianity simply doesn't work as independence. It only works in the context of community. 
And here's some things that will destroy community. Number one, pride. This is the I'm right, you're wrong mentality. I'm right. Okay, so what? People say I'm right and you're wrong. And I like to think of Jesus going, well, is that why I died? So that you could be right? See, pride will divide community. I didn't mean that for the rhyme, but. But pride can divide community. Maybe you don't know that that's something that's going on. But here's some warning signs I want to let you know that if pride is rising up in your life or in someone else's. Here's some warning signs. Not learning or listening from the leaders of your community. Not listening and learning from the people you lead. When you're around people and only talk about yourself. Always on the offense or the defense. When you start to lose respect. When you lose compassion for those who are in sin. When you preach at people as if you've already arrived. When you rather be served than serving others. You always take the credit rather than giving it. You believe you can't fail and don't guard yourself against sin. You justify not obeying the word in an area of your life. When you want to do it all yourself and not allow others to be able to mature in their gifts. When you depend on yourself to produce results rather than trusting in God. These are some things that if you can look deep into your heart and these things are things that are happening, then there's some things you need to change. How can we get back to community? How can we get rid of it? Well, the word says as we allow grace to flow through us. See, grace comes into our lives as we embrace humility and service. 1 Peter 5, 5 quotes Proverbs 3, 34. God opposes the arrogant, but to the humble he gives grace. But if we look at the wider context of Peter's exhortation of Proverbs 3, for us to humble ourselves so that God's grace would come into our lives, you'll see that he was not only talking about humility expressed in service, but in humility expressed in relational submission. As he says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. So how do we let grace flow through us? Is submission. And be not clothed with, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, the arrogant, but gives grace to the humble. If we want to position ourselves to receive God's grace and let him exalt us in time, we must not only serve others with, um, with submit to others, 
See, grace flows into our lives as we submit ourselves to one another in relationship. See, a lot of people, including leaders, are, are trying to live and, and lead with no grace in their lives because they won't submit to others. It's actual an expression of pride to refuse to submit our lives to another and to act as though we don't need an, others. See, this kind of pride is, is, a, is huge in our American culture. We see it all the time. Because we celebrate the, the so-called self-millionaire because we love the idea that we could achieve success without anyone else's help. When someone says, I made this money on my own without the help of one person, we applaud that person because we want it to be true. In our culture, needing other people is often perceived as a sign of weakness. And independence is viewed as a true sign of strength. Even in the church, people are afraid to seek help. Because they don't want people to think something's wrong in their relationship. We have to accept that we need one another because God designed us that way. Whenever we try to function outside of God's design, we end up in trouble. Accept the fact that you need others. It's been a long time since I've, I've been on a, a lake in a boat, but I still remember that the one thing about taking a boat out into the water is you can't start the engine outside of the water. You have to start, put the boat into the water in order to start the engine. Why? Because then the engine will overheat. Because what happens is you need to set the water in there, start the engine, and what happens is it pulls water up through the engine and it cools it off, it keeps it cool. See, a boat must only be started not on the dock, not on a driveway, but in the water. As it draws the water up, pushes the water through itself, cools the engine off, start the engine out of water, it overheats. See, what a great picture of discipleship and Christianity. See, Christianity is meant to sit in the context of community. For it is community that draws the grace needed to do what God has called us to do and to become the person God has called us to become. Number two, things that can destroy community, gossip. Gossip is a poison in a community. When you practice gossip, gossip, you are listening to the father of lies. I don't care how true it may be. Gossip is a lie. Whether there's rumors, whether there's uh, um, 
things going on that is whatever. If you are participating in gossip, you're listening to the father of lies. Gossip is like lice. How many love lice? <laughs> Nobody likes lice. Nobody likes it around. And it's so messed up, right? And, and if, if your kid gets lice, you bring him in and you have to not only wash the lice in their hair, you have to wash their clothes, and then you have to wash all their other clothes, and then you got to wash everything in their room, and then you got to clean everything in the room, and then you start cleaning everything in the house. You start, you just go through this crazy process because there might have been one or two little bitty things of lice inside that child's hair. But see, the thing is, is that that lice can spread so fast that you have to take care of it quickly. And there's this process, there's this, this practice of being able to take care of the lice. And then once you think you got it all taken care of, you still you think everything else is itching. Right? You ever, you ever feel like, oh my gosh. I think that same way about like fleas. You try so hard to get rid of fleas and you still feel like that bite on your ankle in your bed. But it's a practice. There's a couple of things we need to do to be able to stop it, to get rid of it. Number one, you need to refuse it. Say, no, not going to listen to it. You need to rebuke it. And then you need to redirect it. And there's no shame in going to someone. If someone says anything, if someone's doing something, you're like, well, they're not... They're, they're, uh, they said this about me, or you heard someone say they said that and about her. And then you could start getting your feelings hurt, or you start getting offensive about it, and, and things can start to come up in, in your heart and bitterness, and that's where sin will start. But before you do that, there's no shame in stopping it and going to that person and telling them, hey, in love... In humility, I heard this was said. I just want to know, you know, how we could come together on this. Number three, the thing that could destroy a community is hate. When we have the attitude of hate and we look at other people with this judgment according to our standards, we're haters. Now, I'm not talking about the sin. I'm talking about the people. Too often we confuse the fact that we're hating the people because of the way we're acting. When we're trying to be all Christian about it and say we don't like that sin because that's wrong. But our attitudes say otherwise. Our actions say otherwise. We start hating the person We don't give them a chance to come out of it. We don't give them a chance to see the light. See, they're in darkness, and we looked at them as they're in that dark, and, it, and it's a good thing, just let them stay. Let them stay in the dark. They probably deserve it. Did it to themselves. That's haters. 
How do we stop it? It's simple. Love. Because see, when people look at us with that kind of attitude as a hater, people, they will look at us and they won't see people who have the love of Jesus. They'll, they'll see a bunch of haters. They won't see people standing in unity. They'll see haters. They won't see people standing as one for the right purpose. They'll see haters. But Jesus called us to love people. That's how the good soil is going to happen. That's how the word is going to take root in your life, is when you love people. And you serve them. Take care of them. Put yourself behind. But what's holding you back? What's holding you back this morning? Is it the offense? Is it pride? Is it things that you're, you're hearing and, and, and separating yourself from the way people are? What's holding you back to grow where God wants you to be? What's holding you back in the community? There are great things that are coming to this church, believe me. God has awesome things in store for this church. But it's going to take us to become better together as one. I'm going to close with this. I know it seems a little early, but I'm closing. I'm going to close with this. As my wife comes and gets ready for worship, for prayer. See, verse 5 of Ephesians, Ephesians 4. Says a lot of, in a lot of translations, they, they, we even saw it in our translation, the, the, at the very end of it says, one hope. But some translations say the glorious future. Some translations will say it, there is one body and one spirit, just as when we are called, you are called to glorious future. God has a glorious future for us. God has a glorious future for you. The Lord knows, he, he understands that if there are things that are holding you back, pride, ego, fear, remember he cares. He cares for you. So he can cast all your cares away. Let us put these things that's been holding us back to the back behind us. And allow us to come together, to be together as one. As one community. To do what God has called us to do. Because that's the only way we're going to achieve it in victory. Is together. As one. 
unity needs to happen in each of our ministries in this church. Unity needs to happen. To all of us in this church. I believe that there are things holding us back and some of it is unity. Let us pray to come together. In fact, this is what I want to do this morning. I want us to become together as one. Let us not be ashamed to come together this morning as one to pray one prayer together. Instead of inviting some, I'm inviting all to come to this front right now and come together. And in some way, let's join a circle and hold hands. Appreciate the people that are here visiting with us this morning, but you are a part of our community this morning. And allow us with you be better together. Not a whole lot of room. This is a good problem. Yeah. Whatever whatever you can do to, to make it happen. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and, and start. Just allow us for just a few moments just to pray. If there's something holding us back to get along with others, if there's something holding us back, if there's unforgiveness towards someone here, if there's bitterness, if there is someone offended us, if um, someone was gossiping about you or if you were gossiping about someone, if, if things have been going on right now, I'm going to allow you to individually get your heart back to where God wants you to be so you can come and be united with us. Every head bowed and closed right now. Just, just pray. Allow God to mold your heart of any bitterness, anything in there that's holding you back to being unified as a body. Lord, we thank you, God. We praise you. God, I pray that you would look into our hearts.